inside with the crib and a ride I've been telling you so many lies Ain't nothing good, it's all bad And I just wanna confess it's been going on so long Girl, I've been doing you so wrong And I want you to know that Everything that I've been doing is all bad I got a chick on the side with the crib and a ride I've been telling you so many lies Ain't nothing good, it's all bad And I just wanna confess it's been going on so long Girl, I've been doing you so wrong And I want you to know that I was in LA, I was with my ex-girlfriend Every time you called, I told you, baby, I'm working I was out doing my dirt Wasn't thinking about you getting hurt I was hanging in in the Beverly Center Like, man, not giving a damn who sees me So gone, so wrong Acting like I didn't ever sitting at home Thinking about me, being the good girl that you are I bet you probably believe you got a good man I'm in and never would do the things I'm about to tell you I've done Brace yourself, it ain't good Welcome to the thesis, Patrick. I want to thank you in advance for this conversation. As I began to formulate the chapters for this season, I thought about the feedback that I received from my listening audience about season one. Oftentimes, listeners stated that they wanted to hear my story. I remember pitching this idea to you last year, and you immediately said, that sounds like a good chapter, and I would not mind being part of the conversation. It's my hope that this chapter will fulfill a piece of that request, not only from my listeners from season one, but also for you. You know, one thing that I have uh, said to you often is that I can appreciate our conversations offline, whether it's about alpha or it's about personal life. As a matter of fact, uh, even before we had this interview, we talked for about 30, 40 minutes about some things that was troubling to me. And although you're younger than me, I've always valued your input and your insight. So for that, brother, I salute you and I appreciate you. Specifically, I chose you for this interview because of the things that I just mentioned. This has given me an opportunity to talk to my younger self. Oftentimes, people say, oh, hindsight is 2020, but foresight is even clearer, brother. When I talk to our college brothers, I, I'm very conscious of the reality that first, we're brothers first, but I talk to them like they my younger brother. Not trying to sun them, but just talking to them as if I wanted somebody to talk to me when I was their age. And... I didn't always have those people around me at 21, 22 years old that had 15 years on me to give me some knowledge, give me some game. I wish I did, man. And it's my hope that this conversation or any other way that I run into young men, because I, I care about developing people. That's one of our things regarding our fraternity, but I care about developing people and developing young men and mentoring men. So hopefully this conversation will facilitate that. Beyond that, brother, the format of this chapter will be different. For my listeners from season one, you are used to hearing me be the administrator of the conversation, posing the questions to my guests, challenging my guests. Today, it's going to be something different. Today, 
Patrick will be the administrator of the conversation. Today, Patrick is going to challenge me about my thought processes. Today, we're going to unwrap that I'm the problem. And it is my hope that after you finish listening to this chapter, that you will be able to look within yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, what ways in my life am I the problem? Might, be, might not be the same problems that I have or had, but we all have things that we have to work our, ways, our way through. So be honest with yourself. And I'm hoping that this transparent conversation will not only be transformative to myself, but those who listen to it. And stating all of this, brother, I heed this conversation to you. And once again, I salute you and I appreciate you. And I know this is going to be a fruitful conversation, bro. Definitely been looking forward to this conversation right here. Uh, I appreciate everything you just said. And I hold those conversations and discussions that we have in a high regard. Um, just for you as someone older than me that I can seek advice from, just have a real conversation with. So I definitely appreciate you giving me this opportunity on this platform to interview you. And I appreciate your openness and willingness to let this happen and be transparent. So let's get right into it. So you are the problem. What exactly are you the problem of? What kind of gave you the insight to start this? Let me start with where I'm at right now. I'm 39 years old. And I, I've often said to people that I look good on paper. I went to a really good university. I have a decent job. Or as my grandmother would say, you got that good government job, them good government benefits. <laughs> but uh, the reality of it is, is uh, I'm a product of my environment, bro. I grew up in the inner city of Cincinnati. Uh, that, that made me a certain way of, of how I look at certain things and how I responded to certain things. So there was times even as a teenager, uh, based upon my circumstances or what I thought was circumstances, there's always someone that has something going on that's worse than yours. But based upon my circumstances, I addressed some things with people from a victim mindset. Like, I'm not going to be a victim. You're going to be a victim. As I look at myself now and I go all the way back to those formative years, there's a lot of things that transposed that made me to the point where now I'm pushing forward. And yeah, I look good on paper. But the things that's important the most that I think I have talked to you about before, what's more important and what I look like on paper is being able to say I'm a father and I'm a husband. And I have to accept the accountability that my decisions that I've made from, let's just say, from 22 until now has prevented me from achieving what I felt, what I feel right now is what's really important. Being a father, well, being a husband first, being a father, what does it mean for me to have all this success outside the home if I have no one to share it with in the home? Now, that's my opinion to my listeners. Being a father and a husband or being a wife and a mom might not be what's important to you, but I understand that the decisions that I have made has hindered what I feel is success. Legacy 
legacy is success, bro. And I'm I'm struggling with right now, I don't have a legacy. And I have to accept the accountability of why I'm in this position, bro. So let me ask you this. So what started your journey to, to reach this legacy? What legacy and values and morals were passed down to you or examples of good relationships that you could see as a child before you were an adult that led you to the way you were maneuvering your relationships when you became of age? Well, unfortunately, I did not have my father in my life. And, you know, my father was dealing with some things that I wish he could have found his way through, but he 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 did not get to that place. And unfortunately, I've outlived my father. My father died at 36 years old, man. You know, so unfortunately, I did not get to see my father work on his relationships with my mother. But that's a foundational point that kind of helped me or hindered me from loving on people as well as women like I should have because I didn't see it from my own father. But beyond that, I did have great uncles and my grandfather and, and, and other older men in my life that I saw them with their relationships. And those were very traditional relationships. When I think about my relationships now or the relationships that I have tried to implement in the last couple of years, I think back to those relationships I saw as a child. Very traditional, traditional roles. Hey, I'm the man. I'm going to cut the grass. I'm going to take care of the house. I'm going to take care of the cars. I'm going to make the money. I'm going to take care of the bills. And then the the wives and the mothers of those relationships, I'm going to take care of the house. I'm going to cook. I'm going to do those motherly, wifely duties that I know there are going to be some women that's going to listen to this and say, I'm not doing those things. But you asked me, what are some of those relationships that I saw that I admired as, as a child? Those are the things that I admired as a child. And what I think, when I think back to those relationships, brother, I'm not saying that they didn't have their own set of problems. Because once again, this is a chapter about I'm the problem. I'm sure they had their own problems that I did not see and did not know. But at least those are the relationships that lasted until somebody passed away. Traditional relationships are the relationships that I saw work. This new mindset, like a person could be here today, gone tomorrow mindset. We all we're going to end up dying alone. And I'm talking about like, yeah, you might have some kids. Might have some children that are, you know, be at your funeral and things of that nature. But, you know, when they read your obituary, it's not going to say a husband or a wife. Oh, they leave, they leave to, to grieve of them a husband, a wife. They were a loving husband or a loving wife. I don't want my obituary to look like that. So, you know, I, I did have those relationships, those, those examples. I apologize. They have those examples that I admired in person, but I also saw some things on TV and movies that I was like, okay, that's how relationships are supposed to work. I had some great examples, but unfortunately I had a lot of bad examples as well. So do you think the problem in your romantic relationships started at a young age because of those examples or lack of examples? I think the development of my understanding of love or relationships it's no different than anybody else. I don't want to make it seem like I have some isolated issue that makes me special. You know, when you go through adolescence and you're trying to discover what love means to you, whether you come from a dual parent household or not, 
that has nothing to do with the people that you chose to be with as a teenager. That has nothing to necessarily do with the people that you chose to be with in younger adult years. Now they may, you know, there's some people that choose broken people because they're broken. There's people that choose, uh, you know, abusive counterparts because they see their, their parent or parents be abusive to each other. That's a very unfortunate circumstance. But I don't want to blame the examples that I saw in other people for the decisions I made. I was attracted to certain young ladies. What you know, as a teenager, as a young adult, you don't know what you're going to get from that person until you're in it. You know, you don't know what they've been through and what they saw at home or what they thought was um, influential as far as love is concerned. You don't know what movies they saw. You don't know what movies they listened to. I mean, music they listened to. You don't know what was the influences on their mindset of love. You don't know who they dated before you that can transpose bad energy onto them, that can make them the, the young man or the young woman that you encounter when you meet them, you know? So I'm not looking for no excuses here, bro. Uh, you know, I chose to be with the young ladies I chose to be with. And what would transpire, what transpired of those relationships is what transpired. What I will say in closing this answer is I wish I had loved me more when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult. I wish I had loved on me more. I wish I had understood me more. But I think that's once again another part of those things about life is you, when, you're, when you are in your late teens, your early 20s, that's those, that's that moment rather of discover regarding yourself. What's going to be your identity? So once again, I don't want to make it seem like I'm so different than anybody else, but my, my levels of discovery led me to where I am now, you know, and I just wish I had made better decisions relationally. Cause now when I think about how I feel about love, man, I often tell people I got PTSD because of L-O-V-E. Oh, that was a bar right there. <laughs> so, when was the first time that you broke a young, young woman's heart? Uh, my, my high school sweetheart, for sure. Uh, so tell us about what was your role in breaking her heart. Tell us about that. Well, one of the things is, you know, this might surprise you, might, might not, may be a surprise or not be a surprise, but um, I, I was dating a Caucasian young lady in high school, had no intentions, had no intentions of, uh, falling for this young lady. We just hung out with the same people and she just happened to be Caucasian. And I remember talking to a friend about this, uh, as a teenager and he talked about on, in season one, how his parents have different ethnicities and he's biracial and things of that nature. And I was I remember saying to him like, man, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say her name, but I remember saying to him like, man, you know, I really like her. She's cool, man. Like sometimes I forget that she's, she's white. And he was like, man, love don't have no color, man. And I'm like, yeah, what I remember thinking like, yeah, whatever. In my mind, it did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But she was so cool. But I also understood that I started to fall in love 
with a young lady that although she understood some of the circumstances I went through culturally, she could never understand. So there was always a kind of a divide between her and I because yeah, we listened to the same music. Yeah, we was watching the same movies. She understood those things because although she was Caucasian, she was raised in a quote unquote quotation fingers, a black neighborhood. So her understanding of culture, American culture, was black American culture. So there was things I didn't have to explain to her. I didn't have to talk to her about how dope a song was or music was because she was listening to the same things I was listening to. We was watching the same movies, but the reality was it got to the point where I recognized our lives were going in two different directions. It was the first time I had to deal with the reality that we've gone as far as we could go. And she saw more of a future with me than I saw with her. And once that reality came clear to me that, oh, we're going in two different paths, I had to leave her alone. And one of the things I had told one of my homeboys one time, I said, it's nothing like hearing the devastation of a woman cry, man. Now you can make a woman cry, if she, especially if she's you know, really emotional. Woman gonna cry. But if you devastate a woman, man, and you got to hear that sobbing on the phone, man, or see that in person, bro, that's a different type of, that's the, that's a, the first form of PTSD for me, bro. Looking at a woman sob because of me, even if I felt like it was just the circumstance of our relationship at that time, but she's sobbing, she's uncontrollably crying because she recognized time to just go in different directions. But another part of that is I I was recognizing that where I was transitioning to, she couldn't help me. And even though she felt like she could, she could not. And I, I wasn't wise enough to be able to explain to her what I was going through at that time. So I'll introduce you as well as our listeners to a psychosis thought process called Psychosocial Stages of Life. So for my listeners, please look that up. I was starting to go through a psychosocial stage of life where I was understanding something a little bit more than she was. Doesn't make her less of a woman or a young lady at that time. It's just I was starting to go through a psychosocial stage in my life. I didn't know what psychosocial stages was until last year. We're talking about me at 18, 19 years old, realizing we're going in two different directions. And I can't explain it. And she's asking me a million different ways to explain it. And I can't explain it. But now looking back, being introduced to the to that thought process of psychosocial stages of life, looking back on that moment, bro, I was going through a psychosocial stage change. And she wasn't going in the same direction that I was going. Almost that, intimacy versus isolation a little bit. Yeah, so to speak. Yeah, I would say that. And... You know, what? interesting enough, I saw her last year, Rando, at the beach. Like I told you before, offline, and I think I mentioned at the beginning of this interview, I'm originally from Cincinnati. I ran into her at the beach in South Carolina. Random. But that's just how the stars align, man. And I'm glad that we were able to, you know, she was with her husband. I don't blow up anybody's spot. 
but we was able to communicate via our eyes like, wow, you know, the world is small. You know, and I didn't run down on her or say anything to her, but it was good to see her and see in her eyes that there's no animosity and there's no love lost. And I'm glad that I had that small nugget of time, man, you know, to, to recognize that there was no love lost. And that relationship, it seemed like that was just a part of growing pains, if you will. Yeah. And you all headed in two different directions. You felt like she couldn't necessarily relate to your struggles and where you wanted to go. So when was the next time after that that you took a woman serious in your life? I'm so glad you asked me that question, man. You know, I'm showing my age with this one. And you know, some of our listeners that are millennials and maybe older than that, Generation X, can relate to this. So in 2003, four, I met this young lady. I'm not going to say her name. Once again, it was just one of those things where we just connected as friends. And I was so inspired by her, her drive and her intellect and things of that nature that I, I just wanted to, I just wanted her to be in my, in, in my space and me being hers, man. And um, when I met her, she was getting her undergraduate degree and she ended up going to medical school. But I met her and two other women that's, you know, around the same amount of time. I, I chose to date, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be transparent with you, brother. So I was dating three women at the same time. You know, and I, I, my, my inadequacies with myself, I felt like I needed to spread myself like that to feel complete. So I had a woman that was heavily into church and her dad was a pastor, things of that nature. And then I had this young lady that I mentioned. I had this young lady that I mentioned she was heavily in the school, and then I had a little party animal young lady or whatever. I don't talk about this publicly, man, like that, but the, the young lady that uh, that was going to medical school, I uh, ended up getting her pregnant. Now, mind you, I'm juggling three different women at the same time. I'm not proud of this. My listeners, I'm not proud of this. I'm in my 20s. I'm playing games. This, this is my truth. And I'm explaining that this is probably when the problem and me really, really started, bro. Because, uh, you know, this is when I really started hurting people because I felt hurt. So, uh, you know, I, I got her pregnant. She calls me. She's like, you know, I'm pregnant. You know, the crazy thing is I'm listening to confessions in the background. This is 2004. So 2004 or five, I'm really living this life. I'm not lying on myself. It's really my life. So as I'm listening to the album, thinking to myself, like, man, I hope I don't have to end up confessing like this to some one of these three women. So just like the song says, like she calls and tells you she's pregnant, what you gonna do? You know what I'm saying? So I get the same phone call and it was like a scene out of a movie. Once again, I'm showing my age. I get the phone call on a cordless phone. And I'm so much in shock by by what she tells me that the phone slipped out the the cordless phone slipped out my hand and it hit the ground and I'm I'm just looking at the cordless phone on the ground but understanding that I have to pick it up and be a man about what she's going to say to me and I said the wrong thing to her when I picked the phone up off the ground I said so what are we going to do I should have said oh I'm so happy and and Let's see. Let's figure out what we're going to do next. That, that's, I could have said a million other things, bro. 
But I said, what are we going to do? She was like, I mean, I just found out. So I don't know what we're going to do, but we need to have a conversation. So now I'm like, dying, you know, not only do I need to have converse with her about what we're going to do, I need to figure out what I'm going to do with these other two women. Fast forward a couple weeks, you know, her and I were having a conversation about it. She doubles back and she's like, this is the first time I heard this. And this is the first time I really started looking at women different. This broke my heart, bro. This woman tells me, she looks me dead in my eyes and she says, me being pregnant right now is not a part of my plan. So I've decided I don't want to keep the baby. And I'm like, what you mean you don't want to keep the baby? Like, it's my, this is the first time I heard this. And how many men out there can have heard this before? This is the first time I heard a woman look me dead in my eyes and say, it's my body and my right. The decision has already been made. So now that I'm 40, 39, about to be 40, no kids. That might have been my only opportunity to have a kid, bro. That crushed me, man. You want to know what else is crazy? My mother's going to have to hear this, man. It's going to be news to her. When I, when I tell people, when I've been through therapy and I'm telling my therapist, like, I don't trust women. I deal with women because I understand that in a lot of cases, women just deal with us. But that's once again because I, I got PTSD when it comes to love. I've been through some things, bro. And I done put some women through some things, too. Because that made me a savage. When people say, oh, this made me a savage, that made me a savage, man. Stop caring. I can definitely relate to that because I feel like, and this is my personal experiences and from my peers as well, that there's always that one thing that clicks and it just turns you into somebody that you didn't either see yourself being or somebody you didn't want to be or the person that you are now and that you just continue to roll with it. So do you think that was that pivotal moment for you? Because you had mentioned, I just want to back up a little bit, that you had mentioned that you were dealing with these three men, women to kind of fill a void that you saw within yourself. So I want you to address what that void was and then go back and then answer the question about if that was the pivotal moment, her making that decision without consulting you that escalated the problem. Uh, as far as me, the inadequacies that I, that I was thinking of at that time is I'm dealing with young ladies, all of them going to college. You know, so I'm dealing with the inadequacies with myself intellectually and recognizing that their trajectory of success is probably going to be further than mine at that particular time. I'm also dealing with the inadequacies of watching my peers because they was my peers, but I'm talking about my peers. I went to high school with my peers that I knew and their levels of success. So I'm also dealing with that, that inadequacy and then wondering when am I going to get my life together? You know what I'm saying? It wasn't in the, in the worst shape, but I just felt like, you know, when am I going to get my life together? When am I actually going to achieve some, some, some additional goals? That's just about me. And, but that has nothing to do with them, bro. I'm only saying this because of the question that you posed. I'm not trying to make it their fault. This is not their fault. That they was dating a guy that was just withering in the wind, trying to find life. That's just the, the space I was in at that time. And it wasn't just that time. It was for a period of years, bro. You know, my mother would say to me at that time, she would say, you need to go back to school. Well, I ain't going to take school serious, so I ain't going to go back right now. When, I, when I'm ready to go back, I'll go back. When I'm going to take it serious, I'll go back. But also at that time, I just enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the game because it didn't require me 
let me tell you something I wish somebody had told, told me when I was to say, keeping it P, right? Like everybody talking, y'all youngsters are talking about pushing P right now. <laughs> it's funny to me. <laughs> you know, I've been on pushing P since I was a teenager. Growing up in Cincinnati, being around players, that's old game to me. But just being real, when you don't love yourself, man, you don't know how to love others. So if I got, if I'm juggling multiple women, I don't have to figure out how to love one of them because I'm busy trying to figure out how to love them myself. So the inadequacies really had to do with me. It was school. It, it was feeling like, you know, still juggling, you know, I'm talking about the early part of my 20s, still juggling with the the emotion of, man, I ain't have my father around, you know, I'm still kind of carrying that thing, you know, um, fast forward six months from this situation, you know, like I said, around the confessions time, I end up losing my father. So now I'm dealing with that too. Like I can never repair a relationship with a man that never was around. You know, so when people hear Tupac say, you know, it's kind of it's kind of hard to feel for a stranger. I realized at that moment when I'm looking at my father's casket that, yeah, he was a stranger, but damn, I could never have this conversation with him ever again. I can never, he's never going to hold a grandchild. He's not going to tie my tie at my wedding. I can't call him when I'm married later on in life and say, yo, man, I'm just wife is driving me crazy, man. You know, or because my, my father figured out how to be a father after me. So I still could have called him and been like, yo, I'm struggling with this as, as being a father. So I don't want to push, you know, get kind of trying to get back to your question. I don't want to push this off on them. I'm the problem, bro. My problems were multifaceted. It was not having my father. It, it was not taking the time and the patience to really work on me, really work on being in a committed relationship at that time. You know, because working on monogamy, wish somebody had told me this, being monogamous, loving on yourself first, and then finding one person to love on builds more character than trying to juggle multiple people. And I just wish I had loved on myself once again. Wish I had loved on myself more. I wish I had these conversations that we're having right now, although it's being recorded, I wish I had had some of these conversations 15 to 20 years ago. But when you're trying to have these conversations I'm having with you right now with other people that's struggling through it at the same time, it's not really a fruitful conversation. At the time, did you realize that was an issue, though? Did you realize that was the problem, that you were the problem? Or were you kind of blaming it and on others and not really taking on addressing the situation head on? At that time, I didn't understand that excuses are the tools of the incompetent. So I was very incompetent. I didn't think whether to blame somebody else or blame me or look at myself in the mirror. I just was going through it, bro. And when you don't really have too many people around you to hold you accountable, because I definitely had other people that was doing worse around me when it came to their personal life, not necessarily their professional life, but they was doing worse. So when you got people around you that's doing worse, they're not going to critique you, you know? So I just wish that, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I just wish I had somebody around me at that time that would have pulled me to the side and been like, 
reckless. Even though it's not the worst, it doesn't mean that you're not moving incorrectly. And this is going to, you know, the cost-benefit analysis of this whole thing, it's not going to pan out for you long-term, bro. It's not going to pan out for you. You think your 20s last forever? It don't. Don't. I got a younger brother of all of my siblings, one of my younger brothers. I told him, like, you know, you're going to look up, bro. You're going to be 25. You're going to be wondering where the time went. Because the, the time between 20 and 25 and 25 to 30, that time seems shorter. I don't know what it is about the last five years of your 20s. They don't feel like the first five years of your 20s. They just don't. Sorry. You know, and maybe that's just my observation. But I wish somebody had pulled me to the side between, definitely between 21 and 25. But don't let me labor that particular question. You know, I just really feel like that that was that time that I mishandled. Yeah, that's the best way I want to say it. That was some time that I mishandled. I mishandled 10 years, bro. So you so you saying you played the game, was out in the streets, so they say, up until you was 30, until your 30s. Nah, I wasn't out there all the time. You know, I I moved to New York. The the young lady that uh had told me she was pregnant and all that other stuff, we tried to work it out, let the other two go, moved to New York, we trying to do our thing. But she still chases success. She's in medical school. I'm not even in college or university at all. No bachelor's degree, no formal education at all. Just out here still trying to make it happen. I had a decent job, was paying, getting paid really well. The most money I had ever made in my life, you know, living in New York, they pay people different. So it was the most money I had ever made in my life. And I can appreciate that opportunity. But I also was still feeling inadequate, bro. I was still feeling like I'm the problem. You know, when you got somebody coming home with a whole bunch of books and they're like, you know, I ain't got time to cuddle. I ain't got time to deal with you and what's going on with you emotionally. I'm trying to achieve my levels of success. I'm trying to finish medical school. And you're looking at yourself and you're thinking about, you know, what am I, what am I doing? I wasn't really doing anything except getting up and going to a job and, I talked about that before in season one. There's a big difference between a job and a career. And I had a job. Job was paying me decently, but it was a job. She was working on her career. She took her 20s to work to, to solidify her career. And I didn't, I didn't take my 20s, those formidable years, I didn't take my 20s to focus on my career. Until 26, 27 hit, and I'm like, yo, where did the time go? So that's why when I... Double back and went back to school. I took school so seriously. And I did exceptionally well and ended up going to a great university because my word was bond when I said to my mother that I'm going to go back to school when I'm ready to take it serious. I meant it. So when I went back, I took it serious. did well, exceptionally well. Now I can appreciate that God gave me the opportunity to uh, go to such a good school on a scholarship based upon the work that I put in, the pressure, put pressure on them books, bro. You know, because at this point, I'm 26, 27 years old. I'm getting phone calls from my comrades, my counterparts saying, I'm done with my master's degree. Not only am I done with my bachelor's, I had a master's degree. Or, you know, I'm in my second year of medical school. 
or law school or whatever the case may be, you know, really people really out here making moves. And all I am is just branding that dated all these women. So at that time, is it safe to say that you did not believe in monogamy? I didn't start believing in monogamy until I was about 27 years old. I was dating this other woman, you know, doing that long distance thing, man. I don't recommend long distance to nobody, you know, but I chose a long distance relationship to be the woman that I really wanted to be monogamous with. We tried to do the best that we could do at that particular time. But once again, you're dealing with the psychosocial stages of life. So we, we figuring out our late 20s together. And that's why I think sometimes it's best to have some age between you and your, you know, me speaking to you as a young man and maybe some other young, young listeners, probably better to, to be an older man and your woman because you might be one step, you could potentially be one step ahead of her from an understanding relationally. If you've done the work, if you've done the work, you should potentially be ahead of her. But if y'all the same age, you know, it's always this notion that women age faster than us or mature faster than us. It's, it's a fallacy, man. You know, it's an old talking point. What ages people or matures people is experiences. I met a lot of young ladies, same age as me, and I just felt like they bozos. Like, and it was because they lacked the experiences I had. You know, these women I'm talking about, I was dating in my 20s, bro, most of them whether they was in an official capacity or not, you know, most women that I was dating in my 20s were older than me. So that helped me in a way, but hindered me in a way too. But, you know, that that's just a separate conversation. That's a separate, you know, it helped me in a sense, I'll unwrap it a little bit. It helped me in a sense that it matured me emotionally a lot faster than I probably would have matured if I had dated women my same age or younger than me. Uh, throughout my 20s, but because I was dating women that were older than me, not necessarily significantly older than me, but they were older than me and they was accomplishing things better than, you know, things that were different than me. It gave me a different perspective on life. So when I was seeing them achieve so much academically, when I went back to school, I already knew that the time and the commitment that it took to be successful. And if you, if you really put the effort in you're going to be rewarded for that. So, and that's what happened because I was dating women. I was achieving different levels of academic success. I was able to see that the reason why I wasn't where I needed to be economically, the reason why I wasn't where I needed to be intellectually is because I was the problem. I was allowing my shortcomings. I was allowing what teachers told me in high school and junior high school that I wasn't academically stupid to hinder me for like six years, bro. Oh, I don't want to go to college and then fail. And then waste money. You know, it's, it's easier to go to school and, and fail when you ain't got no money on the line. But when you going to school, you got money on the line. That's a different type of failure. So I had to get past that problem. The problem that other people put on me. Those teachers and know that my, my high school counselor telling me I never see college in your future. That was him putting his problem or his observation about black young men on me. And it worked. So this, when I say I'm the problem, I'm the problem for a number of reasons, bro. We don't think about the emotional baggage that come with all these chicks we screwing. And my grandmother used to say, huh, you lay down with a cat, you might wake up with fleas. It's old school game. I ain't understand it. 
you know, not literally fleas, but you wake up with problems. You don't, you couldn't even wrap your head around. Like, where did, this, where did I pick this habit up from? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this way? Why, you know, now I'm, I'm kicked it with this woman. You know, her attitude and her personality is off the hook. Now you take that energy to your next relationship. So it's a number of things that makes you, quote unquote, a problem. It's not so isolated to this thing or that thing. I don't want to make it isogetical to, I don't want to make it all, well, my parents weren't together and they didn't raise me in a dual parent household. That's just one component. The ideas and thought processes that I had regarding love and success after I turned 18, 19, 20 years old, that was on me. Those were my choices. My parents' choice. No, my mama. That ain't no my dad. And I realized that, like I said, when I looked at the casket, wait a minute. I looked at my father in the casket. I was like, wait a minute. I'm thinking about all the conversations I should have had with him. I'm thinking about how many times I should have told him I forgive him. How do we, how do we mend this relationship? And I didn't get the chance to say all of those things. So I'm dealing with that too. On top of dealing with all of that, you're about 27 or so when you say you start believing in monogamy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were, you've been my age, but I've never been your age. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've been through a lot more life experience than I have. So when I, and maybe a lot more than most at this point, I'm not sure the age group of your listeners, but when I first met you, you know, you were engaged, man. Yeah, yeah. You were engaged and you were starting your life with the person who you thought were your, was your, going to be your partner for the long haul, right? Absolutely. Now you're no longer engaged or with that person. So can you tell us about that? Everybody's saying pushing peace. So I'm going to push peace in regards to this. So I'm going to start on a positive note and say, I love that woman dearly, bro. And I have no problem in telling anybody else that. Any woman I've met since her, I've told them, I love her. I'm never going to stop loving her. I had every intention of marrying that woman. I did not go have a conversation with her dad and him give me some, some understanding of what it means to go from the game I was playing that I thought was cool and cute to being a husband. That broke me, man. That failure of that, of that engagement, man, that broke me. And that was the second. That was like, that was the second, the second joint that broke me. The first one was in my early 20s. <laughs> The second one was in my early 30s, you know what I'm saying? That, but that broke me, bro. You know, and I was going through a lot at that time. And you had no idea what I was going through. Because we was also, like you said, you met me, I was engaged, but we was going through our process to become brothers. So that was a challenge for me as well. Um, and that's not important to this particular conversation. But I was going through that challenge of trying to become a, a better person, but also trying to be a husband, man. And I realized in that moment, not initially, but because our pastor, we was going through premarital counseling, which these are the steps her and I went through. Okay. So I'm not going to tell anybody what steps they need to go to, to get, to get to being married. These are the steps me, her and I went through. So we were going through premarital counseling. Our pastor who was going to marry us said, and this is me making a long story short. I don't feel comfortable in marrying y'all. 
Y'all need some additional therapy. Y'all need some additional help. I don't have the tool set to help y'all. That was the second time in my life that I realized I was the problem. And me being a problem as an individual was going to hinder my ability to be a good husband. So you're right. You know, you haven't been my age, but if, if I, me talking to you at your age, man, I don't know what you've been through. And that's not the topic of this particular conversation. But I'm going to tell you something I wish somebody told me. If you are dealing with some things emotionally, to my listeners, dealing with some things emotionally on an individual basis, whether you're willing to call it a problem or not, whether you're willing to say that it's me or not, please get the help that you need. Please take the time to develop yourself and figure out those hidden areas that you need to work on before you ask somebody to get married, before you say yes to that man and ask you to get married. Really have some real conversations with yourself because what's going to happen is you're going to say yes, you're going to ask that woman, and then you're going to get married, and you're going you're gonna to wake up to them problems anyway. And now you got somebody you married to. People want to know why 65% of marriages end in divorce? Because people couldn't even be married to them damn self. They couldn't love themselves. And they hoping that somebody else can fill their freaking cup, bro. They hoping that the person that they laying next to at night is going to help them feel better about the inadequacies and the bozo behavior they got about themselves. Oh, you should have fixed that before. I should have fixed that before I met that woman. I ain't got nothing to do with her. I'm not going to count. I'm not going to put that on her. Now, did we have some problems? Absolutely. She know what's up. She ever hear this? She knows what's up. You tell the people you roll with whatever you want to and I know what's going on. But as a man, she wouldn't have been engaged if I didn't ask her the question. She wouldn't have been engaged if I didn't go to her father and ask the question. So I got to take that on the chin, regardless of what she did. As a man, it's my fault. We was talking about this before we got on the phone. As a man, it's my responsibility to be the leader of the household. So regardless of what happened, that woman is on me. Regardless of what she said, did, what happened, it's on me, bro. I should have fixed me before I asked her. I should have been a better person to myself. I should have loved myself better. And I could have been a better fiance. And then the other things that I might have been presented with from her, I probably would have had the better tools to address it. But because I'm looking to her to help me love me better, let me say that again. I'm looking to her to help me love me better instead of me figuring out how to love me better. She was looking to me to help her figure out how to love herself better. She should have loved herself better. And I'm not trying to throw dirt on her. She's not here to defend herself. Everything that I've been doing is all bad. I got a chick on the side with the crib and a rap. Oh, it's oh, 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 ain't oh, good oh, bad. And I just want to confess it's been going on so long. Girl, yeah. I've been doing you so wrong. Yeah, and I want yeah. you to know that everything that I've been doing is all bad. I got a chick on the side with the crib and a rap. If I could turn back the hands of time and start all over, I would. Instead of everything being all bad, baby, everything will be all good. I don't wanna lose you, but I know what I'm telling you ain't gonna make you wanna stay. You probably just wanna run away. I'm mad enough to punch me in my face. I've been living like an idiot, and I deserve every bit of it. I know, 
Today is the day that I end all the line and the plan and the bullshit, girl. I'm sorry, baby, I'm sorry. But I can no longer walk around with this stress on my chest. I can Yeah. Hey.